See, Billy got picked on at school for things he couldn't change. He tried his best to play it cool, but in the seventh grade, you either fit right in or you don't fit. That's just the cold, hard truth. I wish that I'd have been the friend that Billy never knew. I think it's time to come together. You and I can make a change. Maybe we can make a difference, make the Somebody we've been hateful long enough Let the good Lord reunite us to this country that loves undivided Welcome back Top of the second hour of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast this Thursday, February 15th, 2024 uh, Other fun facts of history before we uh, get back to the American civil religion which is a an uncomfortable discussion perhaps but probably important um, to understand I would say um, this is you know every day is an interesting day in history really I think but some days are Arguably more interesting than others. Um, Some fun facts of history. Continuing on that note, some just, you know, a random sort of assortment. who died on this day, Richard Feynman, Nat King Cole, Gotthold Ephraim Lessing, another one of those, you know, intriguers in what I would call the the Western esoteric thread of um, modern history, died on this day in 1781. Uh, also born on this day, Jane Seymour, British-born female actress. Many people know her. Um, Did you know? Do you recall that on this day, February 15th, in 1898, the battleship USS Maine exploded? And sunk in Havana Harbor, Cuba. And uh, that, of course, pushed the United States to declare war on Spain. But what really happened? James Perloff, The Shadows of Power, you know, that, that uh, YouTube playlist that was a series of Uh, excerpts from his talk that was deleted the playlist first then all of the videos subsequently taken down by YouTube because you can't have that kind of information floating around out there 
Uh, James Perloff did a great job. But, you know, Patrick Clausen, who is a foreign policy expert, um, you know, he he told us <laughs> in no uncertain terms. I think we should play that. It's less than 90 seconds long. We got to play that, don't we? I frankly think that crisis initiation is tough. Is that so? I wrote about this. Remember what's in a word? When it suddenly occurred to me what he's actually saying. He's using the word episode. What does episode mean? Words matter. Episode, an incident or event that is part of a progression or larger sequence. An incident or action standing out by itself but more or less connected with a complete series of events. Can you see how this might possibly relate to the subject of American civil religion and some of these other points of history that I mentioned? Hopefully that makes sense. Anyway, can we play Patrick Clausen, please? I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Um, which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of Amer America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War I. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Some people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall he had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. Uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, yes. until the Maine exploded. And may I point out that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked, which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the traditional way America gets to war, which is what? I mean, it's false flag strategy of tension episodes. Episodes, dear comrade. Spanish-American war... By the way, not long after that, uh, we got the Spanish flu that wasn't Spanish. Why was it called Spanish flu? Potential origins. It didn't, you know. Wikipedia even says on the, on the Wikipedia entry, Spanish flu, potential origin section, despite its name, historical and epi uh, epidemiological data cannot identify the geographic origin of the Spanish flu. Well, that's dishonest, but whatever. However, several theories have been proposed. United States, Europe, China, uh, but nowhere in there do you read Spain as a major potential uh, geographic origin. <clears throat> United States first. First confirmed cases originated in the United States. Well, there you go. Historian Alfred W. Crosby stated in 2003 that the flu originated in Kansas. But that's not honest either, is it? Um, 
there's an effort always and what's what's interesting is um the same thing seemed to happen in different countries for example the next section is europe I'll get back to this in a second. We'll get back to the American civil religion in a second. So Europe, the major UK troop staging and hospital camp uh, in France has been theorized by virologist John Oxford as being at the center of the Spanish flu. His study found that in late 1916, this camp was hit by the onset of uh, new disease with high mortality that caused symptoms similar to the flu, which sounds like what we keep Huh. You know, these episodes that we keep hearing about, oh my goodness. Like the COVID shenanigans. And then there are the people around us saying, you know, it's going to happen again. You think this one is bad, Bill Gates says, wait until pandemic two. What does he know? According to Oxford, uh, a similar outbreak occurred in 19, March 1917 at Army Barracks. In uh, Aldershot, a military pathologist later recognized these early outbreaks as the same. So, point here is, um, military barracks, and you will find that usually these kinds of things occur somewhere around a military outpost, whether it's you know smallpox blankets being handed out or you know this kind of stuff. It's funny how. This always seems to uh, happen close to some kind of military outpost, whether it's here or somewhere else. Let's see if this is still here. Health Impact News. Did a military experimental vaccine... In 1918, killed 50 to 100 million people, blamed as Spanish flu. And, you know, there are the, the picture soldiers from Fort Riley, Kansas. Oh, now that's more honest. It wasn't just Kansas. It was somewhere specific in Kansas. Right, Alfred W. Crosby? Oops. Did a vaccine experiment on U.S. soldiers cause the Spanish flu. And there's some, yeah, that was Kevin Berry's article. And, uh, there's some there's some very interesting and provocative, compelling information in that article, even if you come to your own conclusion or a different conclusion. Anyway, that's just fun stuff. So what's been happening since, let's say, October 7 of last year in particular? Speaking of Iran, the reason I mentioned Spain and the, you know, Spanish-American war, obviously, false flag deal blamed on Spain and guess what happens you know on this day in 1898 the Maine was sunk in Havana Harbor and in similar fashion the Spanish flu was not Spanish where did it actually originate so what's going on you know speaking of what Patrick Clausen said what's going on with Iran these days it's all of those darn Iranians sending well, you know, there was the billion, what was it, $6 billion recently that was released, but frozen, but released, but frozen, but released. And that's a drop in the bucket compared to what's been done in previous years. Hundreds of uh, billions, I believe. 
I've misplaced those uh, news reports, maybe. I could probably dig them up, but it's been billions more than the six billion we heard about recently. But we'll make sure it's only humanitarian aid, you know, that it's used for right. Yeah, because the, let's just say the United States government has a perfect track record with that, right? Somehow, so-called defense contractors seem to weasel their way into those things and the substance of it gets eaten out. Whoops, we didn't see that coming. So Patrick Clausen tells us very clearly how these things happen. On this day in history, the main was sunk. There you go. On this day in history, the following year, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia issued a declaration known as the February Manifesto, which reduced the autonomy of the Grand Duchy of Finland, thus beginning the first period of oppression. Those were interesting times. Um, We need to move on, though. On this day, Susan B. Anthony was also born. 1820, John Barrymore, other folks. Uh, Ethel Merman died on this day in 1984. Anyway, enough of that for now. So, back to our American civil religion, the uncomfortable reality. Just back to the Wikipedia entry for this. This is fascinating stuff. So, American Civil Religion Wikipedia entry, the concept goes back to the 19th century. Actually, it goes back further than that. But for us, it goes back to the 19th century. In our investigation here, the the current form of this theory was developed by sociologist Robert Bella in 1967. In the article, Civil Religion in America. According to Bella, Americans embrace a common civil religion with certain fundamental beliefs, values, holidays, rituals in a parallel to or independent of their chosen religion. That's that's an interesting uh, point of note there in parallel to or independent of their chosen religion. Keep that in mind. Bell's article soon became the major focus uh, at religious sociology conferences, and numerous articles and books were written on the subject. Even though (laughs) Americans today have never heard of this. Numerous articles and books were written on the subject. We can't have the average person knowing about this, though. Why not? Because it totally destroys your double-mindedness. If you're honest and not trying to prop up your own taboo, then, you know, the superstition goes away and we can be honest and single-minded real quick, regardless of your, how is it put, chosen religion, whatever that may be. Interest in the topic reached its peak with the American Bicentennial Celebration in 1976. 
Bella posits, so here's the theory, Bella posits that Americans have come to see the document of the United States Constitution along with the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights, wait for it, as cornerstones of a type of civil religion or political religion. Sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah, kind of sounds humanist. Political sociologist Anthony Squires argues that these texts texts uh, act as the sacred writ of the American civil religion because they are used as authoritative symbols in what he calls the politics of the sacred. The politics of the sacred, according to Squires, are, quote, the attempt to define and dictate. Now listen to this. Tell me if this is this ringing a bell at all. The attempt to define and dictate what is in accord with the civil, religious, sacred, and what is not. Think of the political controversies in recent uh, presidential election cycles, for instance. It is a battle to define what can and cannot be and what should and should not be tolerated and accepted in the community based on its relation to that which is sacred. For that community, end quote. That's Anthony Squire's uh, definition of the politics of the sacred. The, na- the nation provides quasi-religious central roles to its presidents and honors its martyr and honors to its martyrs, such as Abraham Lincoln and the soldiers killed in the American Civil War. Historians have noted presidential level uh, use of civil religion rhetoric in profound, profoundly moving episodes, such as World War II the civil rights movement, and the September 11 attacks. So you also notice in this, obviously, that, you know, speaking of um, episodes like the the American Civil War, so-called, uh, you can only really tell one side of this. There's, there, there's the right side to be on, and then there's the other side. And I think, again, speaking to that, there's evidence of that in the discussion that we've been having. You know, when, for example... Pastor Earl Wallace called in last Friday. I mean, I don't know what he's listened to in the past of this broadcast. I assume not much. But there was never a question as to what my views on any of the subject matter and the discussion were. I listened to him for a few minutes uninterrupted. I only interrupted because something was going on with the sound quality. And I was hearing it. Mr. Bordop apparently heard it because I... You know, he said something similar to what I seem to be experiencing. But then after that, my next interruption was when he said um, America was founded on, I think is what he said, and and then sort of moved to a different way to phrase that. And I just wanted to get right to the heart of that issue, that subject, in the interest of time, since we were just a few minutes away from the end of the broadcast on Friday, not like we'd come back the next day. The soonest we could do anything on air would be Monday. So we're minutes away, and in the interest of time, I was trying to just uh, do that. And speaking of the interest of time, we're headed into a break. Anyway, I think you can see evidence of this. Maybe I'll explain further, or maybe we'll move on. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop-in lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop-in lift? Our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease-off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Ease off, LLC, 417-932-6419. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. should be about time michael buffer should be 
you know, doing his thing right about now. The goat should be teeing off pretty quick. Anyway, to finish the thought, go to the phones real quick. Um, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying this is evidence of the point. So speaking of the American civil religion, which is a real thing, you can see evidence of how, you know, this double-mindedness plays out and the beliefs, values, holidays, rituals, the fundamental beliefs, values, rituals, holidays in parallel to or independent of our chosen religion in that call last Friday, you know, the last 10 minutes or so of last Friday's broadcast, uh, Friday, February 9th, 2024, um, you can see how that looks because, you know, there's a right side of the discussion. There's the other side. We can't just have a conversation uh, and I can't just say, actually, you know, there's no evidence. I'm not aware of any evidence. Maybe I could have phrased it that way. There's no evidence to say this. I phrased it the way I did again because of, you know, limited time. But if you listen to the David or the, um, yeah, the David Bartons, it's a very impassioned, religious-oriented uh, conversation. If you listen to the other folks, let's say historians, um, who are actually historians by trade, so to speak, who have dug into the discussion, you know, no offense particularly to David Barton. I think he believes what he says, but he, I think he's about a mile wide and an inch deep in his investigation. 250 founders, but... Let's dig in a little further. And I don't think he wants to for obvious reasons because he would be uncomfortable with what he found. He has to leave his investigation surface level the way that he does so that he can continue to justify his position. A deeper investigation would undoubtedly produce different results and therefore he would have to, you know, that would not support his Supposition. Hopefully that makes sense. Enough about that. Let's go to the phones. Jenna in Washington, thanks for calling. Welcome. Oh, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Jenna. Well, um, just like a couple different points I've been jotting down, but um, I want to start out by the politics of the sacred. I, I like you putting those words together. Just uh, set off a couple thoughts in my That's head. Anthony and, um, Squire's turn of phrase just for proper credit but yeah it's an interesting turn of phrase for sure yeah because um generally with most conversations that i might begin with someone i'm meeting um i'd say here in the pacific northwest generally i could we i could have a conversation about environment or community and that would immediately go to politics and religion with me, not so much with someone else, because our envir our environmental concern, how we enjoy our environment or why we're here or or to gain gain or gainful employment in our resources or enjoy our activity exploring nature. But there's a domain of control and re restriction that would just draw it into politics that most people would want to steer away from. And also, and, and the thing that I find most shocking about that is how obvious it is on the face of it, and yet how most people will deny it. 
it's the elephant in the room, and yet most people would debate you <laughs> that this elephant even exists, let alone is in the room. Yep. And no, that's um, not true. It's not a religion. Uh, okay. Well, right, because yeah. it, there's so much people don't know and how removed they are. And then currently, even with people that might go out hunting, having the conversation of, have you noticed anything with deer wasting disease? Because that could be, like, in my mind and what I've been listening to, um, a, a wasting disease caused by a lab leak pathogen. Yeah. That well, is what they directly call... related to the flu and the COVID, and nobody wants to hear that either. Yeah. It's, it's, it's usually referred to as chronic wasting disease, and so, yeah, if you look into it, where did that come from all of a sudden? Anyway. Yeah. And that is something um, that has come up. It, it, I'm also calling because Kevin McCarran has a lot to say on that fact. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just more information for us to take in weighing what our environment and community is dealing with. And I think those, those hot buzzwords of environment and community... Bring up yeah. with me. Like the bad guys say, the Walter Lippmans and the others, you know, if you want to change society, change their lexicon, change their language of their, in this case, American civil religion, and you change everything. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back after this short break. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. 
free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. It's the good life. Full of fun seems to be the ideal. Yes, the good life lets you hide all the sadness you feel. You won't really fall in love, cause you can't take the chance. So be honest with yourself, don't try to fake romance. It's the good life to be free and explore the unknown Like the heartaches when you learn you must face them alone Please remember I still want you and in case You wonder why Well, just wake up Kiss that good life Goodbye Welcome welcome back Also born on this day, uh, in 1726, Abraham Clark, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence that most people have never heard of. Anyway, uh, back to the phones. Jenna? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I did have another comment about the false flags, if I can switch the mm-hmm. subject over there, starting yeah. with October 7th. It is an, uh, it, it was brought to my attention that one of the largest U.S. military bases in Qatar was also a training base for Hamas and how false flags, you know, can bring all of these different countries together to play out their theater. But I was li- I've been listening to a guy named Fake Nukes Phil, who is actually speaking with Gemma O'Doherty in Ireland. And 
the premise of things that he approaches is that all of these false flags going back a long time, they really aren't, I mean, he's even saying there, there's rubber babies in Gaza and there's not, people aren't being hurt. It's all staged theater to continue this theater. And um, I, I wanted to voice that. Um, and then also, I did well, want to bring... Go ahead. Again, I think that's interesting because, uh, you know, that usually those kinds of statements provoke the ire of many. And the the painful irony of that is that most of us are not in a position to know anything conclusively when it comes to any of that. I mean, how much of what is staged is um, really not something that any one of us, certainly not me, uh, for example, could determine with any certainty. But um, we can see what happens after that. You know, I just to sort of, you know, finish the point, yesterday I mentioned that um, I think it was yesterday I, I mentioned that during the Super Bowl, apparently there was a streaker or something of that nature, but nobody heard about it. There was a brief moment where I think um, Tony Romo and Jim Nance said something about it. I think Tony Romo mentioned it, and then they started talking about other stuff. If you didn't catch that one little blurb, then you you didn't even know something happened, and they didn't show it on the field, but there was just, you know, a momentary, um, you know, break or whatever. And like I said, if you were just watching and you weren't listening, didn't notice anything, nothing was uh, displayed. And so it just goes away. And it's not like you give that any uh, airtime or anything. And, you know, it's the old thing we were told as kids. You know, our parents always told us, you know, if he's would say, you know, Johnny's bothering me, just ignore him, he'll go away. My granny used to say that, for example. But, you know, that in contrast to these things, whether it's all, you know, rubber babies and does that ever happen? You know, again, James Corbett's 9-11 conspiracy theory is a great place to start for those who don't know five minutes of the actual truth. But, you know, how much of what is staged and theatrical, we don't know, but we do know that those things are seized upon, whether real or staged or whatever, to justify these bad things. And yesterday's um, ABC Nightly News is a perfect example of that. All through the country, you know, there's this shooting or that shooting, and we got to have press conferences. And I think it's all ridiculous if we would just shut that stuff down, just like the streaker at the Super Bowl, then I dare say it probably wouldn't continue, but we need that stuff so that the regulars, even from a pedestrian point of view, the the professionals have to justify their existence. So to have all of this military grade hardware in your local police department town of, you know, population of 3,500, we have to show you all this scary, spooky stuff. And, you know, then of course there's the the deeper implications, um, the more conspiratorial, shall we say. But anyway, we we know that. we Even if we can't 
know for certain what's going on wherever. We know that displaying that stuff and telling the American people that, you know, Qatar, you know, this military base is a training base for Hamas or, you know, whatever, just dis- displaying this stuff freaks people out and gets them moving in a particular direction. Yeah, I agree. So as far as a solution of possibility, the dismantling of the laws that have been overlaid over time and the misuse or theft of some, uh, of funds in individual states, in, in this country anyway, the thought of the common law jury of 25 people coming together to start filing... Uh, Suits, um, you know, I, I, me here. I'm like, how how would I ever agree get 25 people together here mm-hmm. to agree and take action on filing or actually having a, a jury and going? I have an procedures. idea. What's that? You should get in touch. You should get in touch with the folks at CrowdsOnDemand.com. They could probably find 25 people to show up wherever you want. Whenever you need. Enough, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm being facetious, obviously, for anybody. Yeah, that's funny. Is he serious? Yeah. No, he's not serious. Well, thank you. That's how, <laughs> speaking of October 7, that's how you get protests the same day or the next day, the weekend, something like, you know, what happened allegedly on October 7. That's how you get people in Seattle and New York protesting on a weekend when no, you know, First Amendment free speech zone permit slips were issued. But you got hundreds of people on both sides of the issue. How did that happen? Crowdsondemand.com. Anyway, I digress. Well, that's how it worked, I guess. Um, I do. I am impressed with uh, Gemma O'Doherty. Because mm-hmm. she is financing, she's a Irish and Catholic investigative journalist, and she is actually publishing a, a paper, like a Samistat, in Ireland and England monthly. And so mm. we're trying to get her to, uh, um, you know, break down or at least, uh, I don't know, look at the communitarian subject, you know, just to mm-hmm. write it all out. Did you know that, um, speaking of the communitarian discussion, if you look on the Wikipedia entry for, let's see, um, for example, there is the Republicanism in the United States Wikipedia entry. person goes there and looks at the section... It's part of the broader political series titled Republicanism. If you look at that, which obviously includes American Republicanism or Republicanism in the United States, you look at that, related topics include communitarianism. And this gets back to the whole point that I'm trying to make of this American civil religion that is a part of this. It is, in in truth, it's what I started saying in the beginning of January. It's the counterfeit of Acts chapter 2, all of this. You know, the social gospel and all that stuff. Um, federal agencies taking the place of the church and stuff like that. Anyway, that's a different discussion, but it's interesting. Right, but, uh, well, and that's how 
the word community and what people would flock to and the community organizations that are held up that have this faith-based. And if you come here, wrap around community, we, we've got a solution or we'll help. And that's the nearest to most uh, crisis, crisis resolution, um, et cetera, like what, what's evident, what people can see out there in civil society, all these community organizations. And mm-hmm. with their 501c3, they're all connected. So it's kind of the blending of government and a religious organization there for the good of the common good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, allegedly. And, uh, uh, yeah, allegedly, right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that yeah. Or ostensibly. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for taking my call. I, I really Absolutely. Hope I hope that um, Kevin McCarran could come on because we've been working on his end, saying, "Are you getting a an invite yeah. to Road War?" Because he's really he's really easy to talk to, and I think he has a lot of information. Most most listeners, you know, from the lab would, you know, his take on things. I think it's really interesting. So you guys have sent me emails at uh, my Gmail address. Don't use that one because I don't keep an eye on it for the Road Warrior Radio stuff. Use the other one, RWR host at um, therwr.com. And I saw you guys sent me the email. Kevin said he didn't get an invite. It's an open invitation. So if you guys are in touch with him, just let him know. Probably not Mondays, obviously, because those are Mondays with Mitzi, but I would say just about any other day. Very good. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Right. Thank you, Jenna. Much appreciated, sure. as always. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Um, on this day also in 1763, uh, in Prussia, uh, the Habsburg monarchy signed the Treaty of Herbertsburg. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Anyway, which ended the Third Silesian War. That's an interesting. Uh, Gerald Lancaster in 1949, Lancaster Harding and Roland DeVoe began excavations at Cave One of the of the Qumran Caves in the West Bank. The location of the first seven Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, I don't put much stock in those either. It's amazing how we get these new discoveries that just seem to lend themselves to certain things. Again, you know, can I verify? No, not necessarily. Um, However, it is interesting to see, you know, what happens as a result of these things. Also born on this day, Alfred North Whitehead, another one of those intriguing figures of history who said, so far as the mere imparting of information is concerned, no university has had any justification for existence since the popularization of printing in the 15th century. That would be the Gutenberg movable type press that he's referring to. Yet the chief impetus to the founding, the foundation of universities came after that date. Hmm, I wonder why that is. And in more recent times has even increased. The justification for a university is that it preserves the connection between knowledge and the zest of life by uniting the young and the old in the imaginative consideration of learning. Actually, I would 
beg to differ slightly, kind of like the origins of the Spanish flu and so forth, but I'll leave that at that. And uh, let's go back to the phones and grab Dan in Washington. Dan, thanks for calling. Welcome. Hey. I'm enjoying the show today. Hopefully uh, the weather's okay there and everything. And <laughs> um, Not too bad. Yeah. Cool. I, want, I just called to recommend an article that I really enjoyed recently. Um, it's called America's Church, the Invention of the Evangelical Christian Movement. And it's done by Eric Stryker. And it's on the UNS Review. You can find it there. But you were talking about, um, you know, the, when they put in God we trust... I don't know, not in God we trust, but the, the under God in the Pledge's Allegiance. Yeah, and 1954. Mm-hmm. And, and the term, uh, even the term Judeo-Christian. Um, this Which was is, all... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's basically, a, it was basically a post-World War II construct, and they funded Billy Graham, too. And that was Billy Graham's basic role, was to go around and say a couple talking points, and he created this... Basically, the evangelical movement was created by Eisenhower and Roosevelt after World War II to push this kind of phony uh, Christian conservative or whatever you want to call it, pop, you know, patriotism, but it's all based on false premises. Um yeah, this is definitely a good parallel to the American uh, civil religion that I was talking about. And that history actually goes back considerably further. In fact, one of the the links that I had in my 77 links from yesterday that I was thinking, you know, was it yesterday or the day before? It was. I guess it was the day before, I think. Yeah primary and secondary links that I still haven't published, so nobody knows but me, but I should. Um, this goes back further. Jane Lead is a figure of interest from the 17th century Christian mystic, um, and a lot of the charismatic stuff goes back to her and um, you know these other guys, again, Spinoza and Swedenborg, um, but there's definitely her. There's uh, William Branham as an instrumental figure in what you're talking about. And there are some people that are really diving into that these days. Um, John Collins and Charles Paisley are the two guys that everybody's sort of pointing to as the guys who've come out of the message cult and are saying, here's what's really going on. And I think that they're not quite all the way out. They're very knowledgeable. Um but I think that they're still sort of, you know, delousing themselves in the process of, of whatever it is that they're doing and trying to um, present the facts of history, so, so to speak. Um, so anyway, John Collins and Charles Paisley are interesting guys to take a look at. Um, yeah, it I'll definitely, check those out. Yeah, it definitely goes back to and through Billy Graham. And, you know, as um, Eric Stryker pointed out, I mean, there's the Zionist deal um, that, you know, again, I mean, if we're going to have an honest conversation, and this is, again, a validation of the American civil religion, you can't talk to people. 
I have a, a, a good friend who's very intelligent, and I've talked about this on air for 10 years. You know, we would, he would say, but Chris, don't you support Israel? And I would say, yeah, but which one? Because right. is the political contrivance today, tell me in a biblically orthodox way, give me some way that relates to the Old Testament Israel. And no one can do it. They get things they don't they don't understand what they're saying that was fed to them by someone else, and they can't chapter and verse it. it which is not no. to say that you know not to try to call someone stupid. I'm just saying <laughs> someone fed that to you and you don't know how to arrive at that. And if it was a real thing, and it was that obvious, we all should be able to chapter and verse it pretty quickly. The fact that That's we can't me. should tell us something. I- I got a friend like that, and he's a Southern Baptist, and he uh, he will not look into any of this kind of stuff. He just, yeah. they don't talk about politics, and it's frustrating not to call him dumb after a while. It's like, dude, you're just like under mind control, and yeah, it's hard. Okay, uh, so Isaiah 66, sure. Read me anywhere in there where it's Israel, Israel, Israel. It's Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That has a different connotation. Not to mention, I mean, just on the face of it, if we're saying Jerusalem, then that's not, you know, you can't equate that with this modern thing called Israel. If it was, you know, let's just say it was in a day. Well, then fine. How do we, how do you explain 150 years of backstory going on in that area? And the land purchased by Baron Edmund Rothschild, who Wikipedia says was a Zionist, and Herzl saying in uh, the... World Zionist Congress in 1897, I created Israel. People would laugh today, but in 50 years you'll see it. And all the other stuff, you know, William E. Blackstone and uh, the intriguers like, um, what's his name, Brandeis, and the research Mm -hmm. that people like Allison Weir have done in more recent decades. And, you know, the uh, British, the the Balfour Declaration, British Mandate, all this backstory, how do you explain all of that? None of it lines up. Anyway. Well, and we just had two uh, genocidal wars against Europeans, World War One and World War Two, and we were on the side of the communists. And then, like, literally five years later, they switch around, and now we're going to go fight communism. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you had to have a lot of propaganda to go along with that little switch. Absolutely. You know? uh, that was immediately, you know, what happened in the aftermath of World War II. It was an immediate about-face. Weird. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's a great article, and uh, thanks for taking the call, and appreciate your show. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Have a good day. Much thanks. appreciated. Yeah. If we can just have a conversation, if we can set the, you know... The fervor aside, this is all evidence of what I'm talking about when it comes to the American civil religion. And it is the thing, you know, again, back to that Wikipedia entry real quick. Um, American civil religion. According to Bella, Robert Bella. Americans embrace a common civil religion with certain fundamental beliefs, values, holidays, and rituals in parallel to or independent of their chosen religion. And think about, you know, 
some of the things that Jenna was talking about or some of the things that Dan was talking about and how deeply polarizing and divisive some of these conversations are. We can't just – we don't talk about the facts and people don't dig into the history themselves. We throw around these sound bites and things that we usually don't chase out ourselves and um, I think we're all guilty of it. I can say that I have been. But it behooves us to do our own homework. And what's interesting to me is, speaking of that, when you actually listen to the folks who've done the homework, you know, the David Bersos, the, you know, John Fias, Greg Fraser, Fraser's, you know, Martin Marty, George Sheldon, um, Warren Throckmorton, Michael Coulter, um, not all historians by trade. Contrary to like the David Bartons, I would say in most cases, they're not, you don't find them whipped up in a frenzy. The facts and the history speaks for itself. Facts speak for themselves. The history speaks for itself. But the less we know, the more Dunning-Kruger seems to play tricks on us and take advantage of us. And you know what? I am my own best expert, so therefore I'm going to beat you over the head with what little I know. And conversely, the experts are not frothy. The actual real experts who've done you know, decades, like you know, guys like David Bursault, Decades of research, been writing about this stuff since the 80s, really started writing about it into the 90s, forgotten more than most of us will ever learn from the, you know, as close to the headwaters of the of the discussion as we can get. And he's not frothy, you know, and he will, he will, you know. On the other side of Dunning-Kruger, he's the guy who says, well, you know, as I understand it, interesting. Anyway, something to think about. I guess I guess I didn't see Eric. Eric, I apologize. I didn't see you. Uh, I didn't see that. I apologize. Um, maybe we can... Yeah. Sorry about that. Late call. Didn't see it. I hope it was informative. Please pray for one another and support the network. As always, it truly is an honor and a pleasure. Take care. God bless. We'll catch you on the other side. Says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race, and the fact that race drives history, and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQRS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago, and I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? 
Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.